It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the composer for Nope, Michael Abels. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pictures could move, we had skin in the game. It's a bad miracle. They got work for that. No, no, no. Uh, Michael, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. It's no worries. Good, good. Technology, you know how it is. <laughs> Love the piano there in the background. How uh, how apt of you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, that's, it's not a prop. I actually use it. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured as much. Uh, so first of all, I want to say welcome back to the show. We haven't had you back on here since your collaboration with Peel on us uh, a couple of years ago. You've been quite busy in the meantime uh, since then. Your first two credits were for working with him on Get Out and then Us. And now between uh, Us and Nope, you've actually had quite a few other scores come out for films such as uh, Bad Education, which we were uh, fans of, See You Yesterday, All Day and Night. So you've been pretty busy. Thank you. Yeah, I, I um, it's been one after another, and it's been a really a joy. Well, I mean, I think that a large reason why people want to work with you is because, I mean, the talent is so apparent in all of the work that you put into, um, not just your collaborations with Peel, but with everyone. And it's so diverse, too. Uh, the range that you've been able to accomplish specifically now with Nope uh, is really astonishing because it's such a blend of different genres of music, which I really enjoyed a lot. Um, I want to first start off talking about that. Can you uh, talk about um, how you were able to take elements of the Western, the horror genre, sci-fi, put them all together to create something that just sounded wholly unique and original? So, yeah, I think that Jordan's ability to connect different cultural references is is one of the main features of um, his brand. And so whenever he 
uh, wants to reference something, I'm really happy to follow through and help the musical uh, aspect of that be just as rich as the visuals and uh, any other part of it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, especially in this film in particular, I found the music to be so menacing of this, like, you know, I, I think I said something to the extent in my review for this movie about how, just like how the um, unknown identified flying object is hovering over our characters in this movie, your music is also looming over everything that's happening just with this sense of dread. And I really, really liked that aspect of it, but I think the part where I was most attuned was in the finale where OJ's having his... I guess you could call it a standoff, if you will, almost a Western standoff. Uh, with... Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I, I just love how you hearken back to especially uh, classical elements of the Western genre in that moment. Can you talk about uh, just that scene in particular and how your music played a role in creating that? Yeah. Well, it's you got it right in that it's it's a Western standoff and mm -hmm. uh, it's and the environment of the the valley and the dust uh, really also play into the the visual element of of recalling a western. But mm -hmm. of course, there are these unforgettable Jordan Peele um, touches added to it. So the the in the music there, we have to really get that OJ is potentially sacrificing his his life to to distract in order to save his uh, his sister or to give her an opportunity to um, execute the next part of the uh, plan. Mm -hmm. um, so for him to and because he's an animal trainer, you know, he understands the need of a predator animal um, and kind of understands what's happening in a way that maybe no one else in the film does. So. Mm -hmm. We just had to feel the big, it's, it's, a, it's a big larger than life emotion that is expressed so well in, in film when the lead character faces off the, the, you know, faces off the fear and confronts it. And the, the music had to be just as large as that picture. And it had to, you had to really feel what it was like for him to um, give himself up in front of his sister it's it's a very powerful scene and i was thrilled to be able to set it to music i agree no it definitely hit me there at the end as well and i thought it actually had helped the film end on a very strong note overall uh okay. in working with the sound team for this film because i'm just like so amazed by the whole soundscape of no mm, thank you you have to work, I imagine, very, very closely with the mixing team, the sound editing team, because there are moments where sometimes I don't know, is the sound I'm hearing screams of horses, people? Is that Michael's score? Uh, I don't know. And there are times where I wonder how much are you uh, working alongside the sound team to create those um atmospheric sounds i'll call them that really kind of hang over the landscape in this history is complicated the story of human progress is long messy and riddled with controversies big and small on conflicted we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures we try and untangle the good from the bad the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. 
Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, um, I worked with Johnny Byrne, the sound designer, um, more closely than I ever have in any other film. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the link between uh, Johnny and Snacky, the music editor, and me had to really be strong on this film. And Jordan wanted it that way from the start. He was clear as to how the the sound design and the musical textural elements that could sound like sound design, the things you're referencing mm-hmm. um and music textures had to feel very organic as if they might be sound mm-hmm. so um and sometimes johnny was providing the textures like the screams that you mentioned that's his work yeah and yet you 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 felt how that those things went in and out of the score in a lot of different places mm-hmm. so it was very important that we work together and know and the left hand know what the right was doing also um um specifically the music was um, a lot of it was striped more than another film. Striped meaning that the elements of the orchestra even were recorded on separate tracks mm-hmm. so that um, something could be isolated so that when we really put the sound and the music together, we had a lot of flexibility in mixing mixing them in just the right balance for Jordan. Sure. There's a lot of moments too in this movie where I notice where music will entirely cut out of a scene to illustrate uh, dread or terror. Um, how involved are you in the process of you know giving input or is that something where peel just makes his decision and you're just following his vision well you he wants my job is to my job is to give the director options you Mm -hmm. know and and because i'm the music music guy he needs to have musical options Mm -hmm. but the choice is always with the director and jordan is really good about um he loves having options, even options that he hadn't expected. You know, he likes being challenged by creative choices, but he's also really good about making that final decision. And he's not he, he's not afraid to go with unusual music, but he's also not afraid to go with no music. Mm-hmm. And he he understands really well when music isn't needed in a scene. And mm-hmm. so it's it it's been it, there's always been a scene in in each film that we've done where there was music and then ultimately he decided that the scene was so scary, it didn't need music. Mm-hmm. And so in this film, it's the, um, it's the sequence with um, where the park kids have come to mm, they're they've oh, yeah. come to the barn. They're out in the, in the, in the stables, uh, punking OJ. And yeah. uh, it was there was a lot more music in that scene for a long time until Jordan got it just right. And then he chose no, no music or very little. And when I first heard it with the audience and I heard how tense people were in that scene, I knew that he had made 
you, you know, nobody gets those choices right like Jordan. I love that. Yeah, no, because you're you're 100% right. I've seen the movie twice now with an audience in both times. The audience is absolutely squirming in their seats during that moment. <laughs> so you mentioned about a commonality, if you will, between you and Jordan across these three films. Uh, can you talk about, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit more, what is the one thing that's been consistent across all three films? And what specifically sets Nope apart the rest from the previous two? Oh, interesting. Um, the, I would say the commonality is, uh, well, it's Jordan's vision. You know, I was, I have, I have learned firsthand really what his, what makes a Jordan Peele film and what hit, what sorts of ideas interest him. And so I think I can now write with Jordan's aesthetic in mind, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's a great thing. Cause it, uh, I feel like I can. Um, any idea he has, I already have a sense of, okay, this will work for him and this won't. And that it's, that's great. Uh, what's different is that this film is, this film is an epic. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's an, it's on a grand scale. It, it tells a bigger story visually and, and emotionally and, um, and has so many different references and is, um, a really entertaining summer movie. And yet it's not what you expect. No. So that's the thing that it's um, kind of his vision ramped up to a summer movie, I think, is sure. what this one is that neither of the others are in any way. And then also, too, I know you've talked about a couple of scenes and moments here. Is there something that we haven't discussed yet that you're particularly proud of, either a scene or a piece of music uh, that you, when you were finished working on it, you were like, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm OK oh, well. with that. <laughs> Gosh, I, the, it's hard to pick, it, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. Like mm-hmm. the most of the score occurs in the last act of the film where it yes. really turns into, really turns into an epic adventure. And I really um, wanted every single one of those pieces to really capture, you know, that part of the scene. There's a, but the, probably the most, the kind of me, most chill out one is the one where they're preparing for the you know in every adventure you've got the scene where they're all preparing to go on on the on the last battle and they strap on their gear you know yeah and in in nope we have that but it's it's much more low-key because they're dealing with you know they use um the they use the uh um now i can't think of the word of what it would be the thing the the items from a monopoly game on their oh yeah, yeah 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 The, the the game game board pieces they use their game board pieces and they use um they use a, a a 45 record and they use these sort of found smaller items rather than the um you know battle gear and they use a, a mechanical camera and they're but the it's that same thing from movies the the team coming together you know mm-hmm. so there's this kind of I used the theme that I used for OJ and Emerald's Haywood family relationship in that scene. And it, the, the, so it's, it's, it's a kind of anti battle montage, battle montage. And that cue is called uh, preparing the trap. And I just, uh, I liked that I had a chance to do that in kind of reverse. So that's, that's a cue to listen for that people might otherwise not notice. This is Krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest 
to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. That's fantastic. I love that a lot. Uh, I'll have to definitely go back and re-listen to that one now. Uh, and then and everything too, I'm, I'm always curious about how this works. In the early stages, uh, when the edit is coming through, um, are you ever using any kind of like temp music? Or are you able to, because of your relationship with Peel, get in early essentially and just start right away? Well, it, it's both of those because um, he likes me to start right away. Like he sends me a script usually the minute that he feels comfortable sharing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I already get to be part of the pre-production process, which is um, which is really cool. A lot of times when you're on a film, you're not in till, you know, right. till post. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and so I, I start and I give him different ideas. Um, but also now there are, you know, two other scores to temp with. So sometimes he, um, Nick, the editor is very musical and he, you know, is very able to find temp music as he wants to. But, but the other thing is, is that um, some editors and Nick's one of them finds having music to be helpful in, in deciding how to pace the scene. Yeah. So, so a lot of times the, um, the music is, is instructive in some way to me, but it's it's a useful tool for editing and assembling the film and figuring out what sort of pace for the the scene feels right. So mm-hmm. um, we, between Jordan and Nick and me and the music editor, we're all kind of working on finding the score in our own different ways. If you if that makes sense. Sure, totally. And uh, two last questions here. One's pretty easy and straightforward. You've now worked with Jordan Peele three times. I imagine there'll be more collaborations to come. Uh, you're pretty relatively, I would imagine, like early in your filmography. Uh, so I imagine there'll be like more projects in general on the horizon outside of working with Peele. Is there a particular type of genre that you want to explore musically that you haven't had a chance to do so yet? Oh, uh, I haven't yet done a full out action adventure. Mm-hmm. So that would be super fun. It's something that's, um, I mean, I consider Nope to be that, but it yet it's not, you know. So that it would be fun to do something that's that's more so that's solely in that category. Let's sure. Say. Uh, but I but I also think that other genres. I'm I definitely want to do a genre that I haven't done yet, you know. And and an animated feature would be a wonderful. Uh, thing that I can't wait to challenge, to do as well. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. Animation is definitely its own beast in a way, and so that would be really really cool to hear. And uh, we're at the end here, I've so also, yeah, go ahead. But I also I've I've co-written an opera which is opening at the L.A. Opera uh, this fall. It's called Omar. Oh, okay. 
I like that. <laughs> okay, then. That sounds like yeah. a blast. And that's in LA that's opening? Yeah, absolutely. I might have to hop on a plane and make my way out there. <laughs> oh Where are you based? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, okay. Well, we don't have any Brooklyn dates yet, but then it's coming to Boston in May. So, so we may, may come to New York. We'll Maybe see. it'll but, make its way. That was actually going to be my uh, next question was what's next for you. So, I mean, oh. that's a great answer to that question right there. Uh, I can't it wait is. to hear, yes. hear this. Um, <laughs> in terms of it being just an opera, can you just tell me anything else like about like what, like what the story is or anything? Yeah, it's uh, called Omar. It's about Omar Ibn Said, who was a um, um, Senegalese Muslim who was actually uh, enslaved in the Carolinas. But he is—he could read and write Arabic, and so his autobiography is now in the Library of Congress. Wow! And it's—it's about—it's really about the ability of faith to transcend even the harshest circumstances, mm-hmm. and it—it. It, um, and so, you know, opera is usually pretty dramatic and on heavy subjects, but it's a, it, and it's, so it's on the one thing, it's on a heavy subject, but it's also very uplifting. Yeah. It's, a, it's an inspirational piece. And it was, it's co-written with Rhiannon Giddens, who's a Grammy winning, MacArthur genius winning um, Americana and roots artist mm-hmm. and singer, songwriter. So anyway. That's amazing. And I've already seen uh breaking at Sundance early this year, previously yes. titled, uh, 892. So I know about your work on that one already, and I can't wait for it. Well, that's what a couple of that's thank you, thank yeah. you for you did that recently. That's coming at end of August, end of August. Yep, August 26th, I believe, from Bleecker. So that'll be great. Uh, I hope everyone checks out your score for Nope. I think anybody that's a fan of your work on Get Out and Us is going to find a lot to appreciate, even maybe more so with this one, because like you said, it's told on a bigger scale, there's so many different genres. And you're always keeping us on our toes with your work here. So I can't wait to see what you continue to do in the future. It's been just really fantastic getting this uh, this work from you these past couple of years. Well, you're really kind, Matthew. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. Hope you have a good rest of your day. And thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome. Take, Take care. care. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the composer for Nope, Michael Abels, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nope is currently playing in theaters from Universal Pictures. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.